in Salem we have this expression that's called we all not meet which means that we're all we're all peers we're all dating each other so like you will find out you're dating x x is dating y and y and z are together just like what will smith and jada and august are going through i kid you not there are a lot of entanglements in salon there are a lot of entanglements so you just have to be careful who you're getting involved with because some married men are just so overt and cheeky like you'd be like oh are you married and with their ring on their finger they're like yeah and i'm like ah uh -uh. Hey everyone, welcome back to Flourish in the Forn, the award-winning podcast that celebrates, elevates, and affirms the voices and stories of Black women living and thriving abroad, while also exploring living abroad as a pathway to wellness. I'm your host, Christine Job, a Black American woman currently based in Spain, and I'm not only an award-winning podcaster, although I enjoy saying that. I'm also a business strategist that helps Black women and women of color leverage their talents and their expertise into viable and sustainable businesses, businesses that make them financially abundant as well as professionally fulfilled. And so if you are interested in starting a business abroad or starting a business to take abroad, I invite you to download the Build a Business Abroad guide that I have on the website flourishintheforeign.com slash resources. If you're interested in moving abroad with intention, as I hope everyone is, I also have a guide for that. It is an over 40 page guide that's going to help you get really clear about exactly what you're looking for in your journey abroad, in your life abroad, so that you can go abroad and truly live a life well lived and also to be able to sustain yourself. You can also get that guide at the website flourishintheforeign.com. So we are winding down season one of this here podcast. I'm super, super excited to really unveil season two already. But in the meantime, between time, between seasons, I invite you to follow the podcast on Instagram at Flourish Foreign and also subscribe to the YouTube channel at Flourish in the Foreign. The YouTube channel has been quiet as of late, but actually it's going to be quite active while the podcast is on hiatus. So I invite you to join me there. And I also invite you to join the Flourish in the Foreign membership. As I've been saying for a couple of weeks, it's a community that I'm really excited about cultivating. I'm going to be bringing on past podcast guests. That's where all of our book club discussions will be going on from now on. That's where if I do another podcast workshop, we'll be done there. I'll be doing some behind the scenes there. And I'll be chatting with you guys quite regularly. So I'm really excited to cultivate this community with all of you. I'm really excited to bring some of the things that I have been wanting to do, but really didn't know where I would put it. And the membership is the place to put it. So I'm super excited for you to join me in the membership. If this sounds like something you're interested in, definitely join the membership waitlist so that I can email you when the doors open, tell you all about it, walk y'all through it, and do all of those good things. And even though Flourish No Foreign is an award-winning podcast, it is still a labor of love. 
and labor nonetheless. And so I invite you all to support this podcast. You can support this podcast via Patreon at patreon.com slash flourishforn, via Buy Me A Coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash flourishforn. You can cash app the podcast at dollar sign flourishforn. You can purchase a piece of podcasting equipment via our Amazon wish list, which you can find at flourishintheforeign.com slash support. And of course, please continue to leave reviews for the podcast. I really, really enjoy reading those reviews and they really do help with discoverability for the podcast. If you have a favorite blog, vlog, or whomever, please send this podcast to them because the growth of this podcast is directly attributed to all of you sharing this podcast with your friends and your family and your community. And I deeply, deeply appreciate it. All right, on to the next episode. Today's episode is a compilation. It's a compilation all about dating, dating abroad. This is Dating Abroad Part 2, y'all. So in this compilation, I've taken some notable responses about dating abroad from some of the guests that were featured here in season one. So in the first half of this episode, you're going to be hearing the voices of Neria, who is in Portugal, Yasmin, who is in Sierra Leone, Mia, who is in Qatar, Tiffany, who was based in the UAE, Marie in the Philippines, and Dana in Bristol, England. I invite y'all to go back and listen to each one of these fantastic women's full episode on the podcast because as I'm sure you all know, dating is just one aspect of their incredible lives. You know, in my opinion, I think dating abroad is what you make of it. The dating traditions or customs of your home country don't necessarily translate abroad, but also your dating experiences from your home country don't necessarily translate abroad. I think it's all about what you make of it. But I'm going to let all of these amazing guests tell you all about it. I asked Nedia, what was it like dating in Spain? Knowing that she was coming back to Spain after not living there for such a long time. She was a single mother, a divorcee. What was that experience like for her? Dating was very interesting. For me, like when you when you meet somebody, I suppose maybe because I was also naive, probably. I had the idea, you know, the love idea, like romantic idea. When you meet somebody and then after a few months you get married, you know, you don't go... For like, I never understood this thing of dating somebody for 10 years. I'm like, what? That's not dating anymore. You know, you're married to the person. But it was a a funny thing to discover that in Europe, people just date and and break up like that. And it's normal. I mean, not in Africa. My mom would beat me up just because I'm I'm trying to date. Even, Even when I decided to get divorced, Back in Africa, they were like, no, you're not getting a divorce. You have to put up with it. And I'm like, no, I don't have to. If things is not working, you know, as it should, that's it. We're all adults. We're all normal people. Just just go your way. I go my way. And that's it. That's fine. 
And they were all trying to talk me out of it. Like, no, no, you have to put up with it. What, how do you think your grandma before you, other women before you uh, did it, you know? You are the wife. You're supposed to, to just let it go. And this is how men are and stuff like that. So, and then I remember when I went to sign my divorce paper, even the, the, the judge in the court was like, but how dare you? How dare you uh, divorce a man? How dare you ask for a divorce? And I'm like, please, Jesus, please, Jesus, let's just sign this and let's get out of here. So in my head, I'm like, okay, the next guy, I just date for a while and then I get married again because, I mean, I'm a Christian. I didn't want just to get involved with the person and live with the person and for years and years. And I'm thinking, I have a daughter that I want to give this example. I don't want just to be dating somebody forever. So what will she think about me? And so this was my idea of, of dating. It wasn't easy for me to understand because some of the guys, they only wanted maybe just a night or just like, especially when they know you have a child, when you know you have, you have a daughter. And so it wasn't anything serious. And I was very frustrated because I was like, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? Well, then don't they want anything serious? You know, it took me a long time to understand that, I mean, this is Europe, you know, you don't date one person and you get married and that's it. No, you date the person and then you move on, you date somebody else and then you move on and then you date somebody else. And I'm like, but where is love about? What is, what is love? What, what, I mean, don't you love the person that you're with? So how can you just decided that, oh, it's not you, it's me. I need to, to find myself. I need to, okay. So dating wasn't, wasn't easy. Wasn't easy. But then I met this Englishman and started to date. And then he asked me to marry him. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. This guy is taking, like, he's joking. He's just saying that so I can stay with him. But actually, he was very serious. I wasn't sure he wanted to marry me because I was like, yeah, I have a daughter. And I mean, he's older than me. What is the real story behind this? You know, no, he just wanted to be with me. He loved me with the way I am, the way I was, the way I am now. We've been married for 16 years now. And uh, yeah, the best thing ever. So I asked Yasmin, how is dating in Sierra Leone? It's so funny because we just released an episode on Thursday called Dating in, in Salon. Salon is just the Creole word that we refer to as Sierra, as Sierra Leone. So yes, in Salon, dating is a struggle for millennials, honestly, because it comes back to the mentality. I'm a feminist and I'm unapologetically feminist. So a lot of men, even the ones who you think in quotes are young, exposed and cultured, it intimidates them. The fact that I'm independent, I get my own money, I'm not reliant on anyone. As someone who is young, she has her own car, she has her own business, I'm seen as intimidated by default. So a lot of men are like, oh, well then what do you want me to do for you if you're doing everything for yourself? I'm just like, eat, then step up. Like, it's not that hard. But like for us, I think my role personally was just like, people who are forthcoming, like in Serlum, cheating is very normalized. It's sad to say especially a country that like has a very dichotomized view of religion it's either you're christian or you're muslim but yeah but cheating is very very normalized in Salem, we have this expression that's called we all not meet which means that we're all 
we're all peers we're all dating each other it's like you will find out you're dating x x is dating y and y and z are together just like what will smith and jada and august are going through i kid you not there are a lot of entanglements in alone there are a lot of entanglements so you just have to be careful who you're getting involved with because some married men are just so overt and cheeky like you'd be like oh are you married and with their ring on their finger they're like yeah and i'm like ah uh -uh. so if you date someone who you know is not married but then it's always like a story like are you single well so so and so it's like it's not well so so and so like it's either yes or no because I'm, I'm just a very straightforward person and i don't mind shooting my shot i never used to shoot my shot before like i was always that kind of person like oh no you know the man has to come to me but i was like no if i'm a feminist like i need to own my identity i need to also like shoot my shot and i'm glad i started shooting my shot because psh, you, you just you know you just kind of cut to the chase you don't have to worry about all of that so dating is alone. it has been a struggle i've been here for six years it has been a struggle and i can only say like recently i've been able to find like someone that has like a partner qualities so that to say it, it is not for the faint-hearted you have to be very patient if you actually want to find someone here especially if that's important because maybe you want someone who wants to stay in salon or stay in africa because that's usually the issue if you find someone like you that's been born and raised abroad and maybe they come to Sierra Leone holidays like oh no Sierra Leone is not as developed as i want it to be i don't want to live here so we don't have the same beliefs i don't always want to live in Suriname, but i always want to live in africa so for me that's an issue if you want to stay in the west because i you know i've left the west six years ago so it's just kind of being patient and and yeah just going through one toad at a time <laughs> that that's dating in a nutshell in salon for millennials so qatar is in the middle east and it is a muslim country so the, you know, social norms and especially dating norms are typically not similar to what we experience in the West or in the United States. And so I asked Nia, what was dating like for her in Qatar? When I asked a local Qatari girl, I'm like, like, what is dating like? She's like, it just isn't like dating is not a thing here. And so over time, I've come to understand that of course, like traditionally in the community and like the Qatari community, no, dating is not a thing. You might have a quote unquote dating period once you get engaged to your fiance. Like that's when you get to know them really. Not all the time, for sure. But that's like traditionally and it does still happen often in that way. Otherwise, of course, there's a really big expat community here. In fact, most of the population is expatriate. With that comes a lot of different dating norms. And all of them and all their differences, no matter what, they all become subdued. So you're not going to see couples out cuddling. You're not going to see PDA. You're not going to see things that are like clearly romantic dates. Everything is very subdued because culturally, you know, it is still... A Muslim country and it's conservative in that respect and the people here want like the people here don't want to disrespect the customs of their home country it's not necessarily a thing that's like that stems from fear you're not going to get arrested for holding hands it's just something that I think more so comes from respect 
not wanting to draw attention to yourself. Although to be fair, sometimes you don't want to draw attention to yourself because of fear. Because if you do come across the wrong person at the wrong time, in the wrong place, and they report you, it can become a much bigger issue than you anticipated. But it's my understanding that instances like that are few and far between. When it comes to me personally, I actually met my current partner when I was here studying abroad in undergrad. We met in 2018 and we started dating and we had this really vibrant whirlwind romance. I mean, it was something that I did not anticipate. I know that we met at like a university event and two weeks later, I was in a different country. He was in a different country. And then we came back and we had like our first month anniversary date. I mean, everything just moved so fast, but it moved at a pace that we were comfortable with. And then, you know, of course I had to leave the country to go back to the United States, but we kept in touch the whole time. And having a long distance relationship at that point, it was taxing. You know, we were long distance for a year and a half. And then when I came back, now we've really been able to continue to get to know each other. And that's been really good. He's a beautiful addition to my life right now, especially being in the country and not really knowing that many people anyway. I had to ask Tiffany, what has been her experience dating abroad? I asked her because she specifically has been quite transparent in regard to this on her own podcast. She has an episode where she really delves into her experience dating abroad. And I'll let her tell you all about it. My dating life abroad has been an effing mess. And I recently experienced a romance abroad. I, I talked about it in episode 43 on Abroad in Education. So I have been on and off about these dating apps. And sometimes, sometimes you just feel like I'm good. I just want to be out. I want to be meeting people face to face. And then other times it's like, what? I'm not out. So let me just try this dating app. So around March, near my birthday, I decided to get on a dating app and I met this guy. Of course, I have to give the condensed short story, but I met a guy who was from Nigeria. I do have to be honest, though, because many of the parts in the podcast I fabricated. I had to. And and I also will mention, of course, it comes through, but I never say the country that I'm in. I never say his real name because one of the things about particular countries is the, the laws, the laws that you're held up to. And it comes through. I mean, it is what it is, but hey, I just I'll mention that. So yeah, he this man scammed me all the way through, up and down, and he, he created this whole life of a lie. But it was such a beautiful life. I really hope that he eventually does get to live the life that he lied so much about because it wasn't just us it wasn't just us on this app communicating. Like we were dating, we were with each other, he was in my space, I was in his space. I really thought I was building a relationship with this guy. So things started, you know, intuition, the universe speaking, this man started showing up in my dreams. All of this crazy stuff started happening. And I look at myself as a very intelligent person. So 
my Olivia Benson turned on. I'm like, perp search SVU, who is this man? And I found out that he lied about his name, which is why when I did my original Google search, nothing came up. But when I did my follow-up search, everything was revealed. And he had actually been deported out of Canada for fraud. I was really hurt by in this situation. And I, I, I'm very, I'm, I'm, I've been, how do I say it? I've been molded not to read the comments because what I did was I actually sent an article to uh, Travel Noir and the article was published in their space as well. And then I did the podcast episode. So the story has been shared. And some of the comments that I did get a chance to glimpse over was always this notion about girls being fill in the blank, whatever. But one of the things that really made me uncomfortable about him, or at least the situation, was that he was able to fake himself. And I just thought, and I'll say as an African-American, right? There's certain pieces of an identity that you can't take off. You have to live it. We're forced to live it. Like I can't choose to be something other than I am. And I think that's just my morals and values about the world. So I can't turn off me or replace me with some fabricated story. I can't do that. And I just really feel like he cheated. Like you can't just change yourself and create this whole new person. So I would say out of all of my dating experiences abroad, like that one takes the cake and it was recent. So it's still a lot of emotional baggage in it and distrust. I thought about getting back on Bumble. I actually did start another account, but there's still some trauma in there where I'm like looking at everybody, scammer, 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 you're a scammer. So yeah, it's some work that has to be done, but I guess dating can be fun abroad. It's It's interesting, I'll say, with just cultural differences, language differences. What is a date? Where are you going? How are you going to do it? But yeah, I think I'm good for now. (laughs) For now, I'm just taking a break. I had to ask Marie, what has dating been like for her while she has been abroad? Well, dating in Dubai was good. We had some activities, some suitors over there. That was good. But I was a little stressed just with my lifestyle going on. So it wasn't really anything vested. Dating in the Philippines has been interesting. Two people that I've dated that will say that I have dated. One was of African descent, Cameroonian, and then one was Indian. And both were different, but served their purpose as far as like company and someone to talk to, doing things together. But yeah, it just didn't work out. I just don't try to, you know, put that in my universe to say, oh, dating in such and such is hard or dating. It's the same thing as if you're stateside for uh, black women, it can be hard wherever you're at. But I really don't like to try and speak those words out because then it will be hard for me to to engage with someone of the opposite sex and have a uh, a relationship. Right. So, yeah, dating is it's different. But it doesn't have to be hard. You just have to open up your your options to others. But it's definitely different. So Dana now lives in Bristol in the United Kingdom. 
And I asked her, how did she end up in the UK? Why did she decide to leave the Netherlands? And this is what she said. So my move from the Netherlands was somewhat accidental because I wasn't initially planning to leave, but I was in The Hague and yeah, I was working on my business and hustle, hustle it was not easy. It wasn't like the money was coming so easily. So I was also freelancing and like life was a bit day to day trying to make things work. But then in that time, my mother got sick in Chicago. Her husband had already died and she was alone in Chicago dealing with a cancer diagnosis. And my sister is on the East Coast. She's got three kids, very busy. Here I am living my best life, at least trying to in the Netherlands. But I was the right one to pick up and make sure my mom was okay. So I put my stuff into storage and went to Chicago for, I don't even know how long. It's kind of kind of a blur, but it was at least six months, maybe, maybe longer. And uh, I was going back and forth a little bit because I was still doing my work there in the Netherlands. So I was still traveling between Ch- Chicago and the Netherlands quite a bit, but I was mainly in Chicago and my brain was just like focused on my mom. So my life abroad ended up taking a back seat for quite some time and just my life in general was just like backseat. So I didn't know what was going to happen next. My stuff was in storage. I did think that I was going to go back to the Netherlands though at some point, but it just so happens that I reconnected with an old friend from Ghana, actually, who I started dating. I don't I don't even know how it happened, but like I was, I think it was just like this transition that I was in in my life like everything was a bit up in the air and as I was going between the Netherlands and Chicago I started like having these layovers in London and this man was in the UK so we started seeing each other and then I started visiting intentionally to the UK just to see him and that ended up completely changing my trajectory I thought okay Am I going to go back to the Netherlands to be alone or should I make a bold move and move to be with this man and start a relationship in the UK where I previously had absolutely no interest in living? I have no interest in living. I can't stress it enough. I never once thought about living in the UK until I was in this relationship. So I thought, okay, I could do I could do anything for love, all a little like you know, starry eyes. And we chose Bristol together. He wasn't living in Bristol. He never lived in Bristol. And I I had never even heard of Bristol, to be honest. So we visited Bristol during one of my visits here to the country. And I really liked Bristol. Bristol had the most similar vibration to Amsterdam. It's got some water. People are laid back. They're politically active. There's a lot of graffiti. It's kind of like gritty. It's very vegetarian friendly. I'm a vegetarian. So I was like, okay, I could dig that. So I was like feeling it out. I think I could do this. So I did it. I decided to hire movers, as crazy as it sounds, to pack up my storage unit from the Netherlands and trucked my stuff over here to the UK to move to Bristol, which was like, almost as crazy as every other move that I had made relatively sight unseen. 
yeah, and I, and I made that move. The, the sad thing is almost immediately I found out that dude had been cheating on me and living a whole double life behind my back that I was not previously aware of until like, I'm not even exaggerating the day my moving truck arrived is when I found out like my whole world imploded. So I was basically in Bristol alone with no one. Like I didn't know, I don't know anyone here. I had no reason to be here other than this asshole. So I had a choice. I'm either going to go back to the Netherlands like a punk. I've, I felt it sounds silly, but like I felt like I would be going backwards because I've made this big move over here. I could go back to Chicago, like you just go back to the United States in defeat where I had no interest in living back in the U.S. Or I can make it work here. And that's what I've decided to do. I've, I've committed to it. I'm not committed beyond what I normally, you know, I stay in places for five years, whatever, however long it takes to find my next path. But yeah, I, I've decided to get my visa stuff figured out. I'm still in that process. Because obviously when I was originally moving, my plan was to uh, use my relationship, if not find a job, but use my relationship as a basis to get my uh, residency here because we were going to get married. But yeah, so I've had to rework all of the plans and I'm using my business as the basis to get my residency and make a life for myself here. So definitely not the plan, definitely not what I would have the path that I would have created for myself. If I was going to leave the Netherlands, I would have done so much more gracefully if I could have prepared myself. But here I am, I've landed somewhere new and yeah, you make it work if you have to make it work. Hey, I hope that you are enjoying this episode of Flourish in the Foreign. And if you are, please consider supporting the podcast either via Patreon at patreon.com slash flourish foreign or buy me a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash flourish foreign or tipping the podcast via cash app at dollar sign flourish foreign. You can also purchase a piece of production equipment via our Amazon wish list at flourishintheforeign.com slash support. I also want to invite you to join the Flourish in the Foreign membership where our community can connect with other amazing, incredible people who live and thrive abroad, but also you will have access to our book club, all of our past podcast guest discussions, all of the experts and interesting people that I bring to you all and a lot more great benefits. If you're interested in joining the Flourish in the Foreign membership, be sure to join via the link in the description of this episode. All right, let's continue the show. So in this half of the episode, you will hear the voices of Wendy, who was based in England and Italy, Angie in Vietnam, Wanda, who is based in Malaysia, Claire in Mexico, Ayana in Japan, Gwen in Spain, and Latrice in Italy. So without further ado, I asked Wendy what has been her experience dating abroad in England and in Italy. 
I can tell you that before I moved to England, I dated a lot of white men. And that's a little uncomfortable for me to say, but I'm chalking it up to my childhood because I grew up in places that were almost all white, like no black folks anywhere. (laughs) And that was my childhood upbringing. And my stepfather was white. So from seven years old to 14 year old, the primary father figure that I had was a white man. And my father was never really in the picture. So when I became a teenager and started dating, I started dating white guys. And I often felt really guilty about that. I was uncomfortable with it. And I I think, to be honest, I'm still a little uncomfortable with it. But it's, it's a sexual attraction issue. And I just decided to be honest about it, even if it's upsetting to people. I'm just going to be honest about it. One of the things that was fascinating to me is that London has the highest percentage of interracial relationships with a Black woman and a white man. And I knew that moving over there. And I thought, this is going to be fantastic. I'm going to be seen as an equally attractive person in London instead of being the last choice in the U.S., which is how I felt growing up. I felt like I was at the bottom of the barrel of attractiveness, not because I didn't think I was attractive, but because I didn't feel like men saw me as desirable in the United States because of all the racism. And so when I I expected to have a very different experience when I came to England, especially spending time in London. And so I'm still to this day, a little surprised that I never had, (laughs) I never had a boyfriend. I also didn't try. I didn't really put myself out there and I never took overt action to find dating partners. I was never on an app. I didn't hang out in pubs a lot. So it was less likely to happen. But when I was in in Venice, I wasn't looking for a man either. I was just on vacation with a friend. And I was sitting in a, a restaurant for the locals because the tourist restaurants are really bad. And we found out where the locals were and we went to that restaurant and they had picnic bench style table. And we were sitting on one end and my future boyfriend walked in. He told me he saw me. He had a warm feeling come over him and he asked his friend if they would mind sitting next to us at the end of the picnic table. And his friend said, sure, decided to be his wingman. She's a woman, but she was a really good wingman. And the four of us sat together and had, Italians are loud and like to have a lot of fun. And we were louder than the Italians. We were having so much fun together. And that was the start of incredibly romantic story with me and my Italian. So... It was interesting being in Italy because the Italian men 
had no problem flirting with me. I actually felt more feminine because I was seen as desirable more often being in Italy because Italian, you know, Latin men. It was interesting. I never expected to have an Italian boyfriend because I just assumed that Italians are just like, you know, the French, they all cheat. They all like to have multiple women was my assumption. That was my stereotype. And my boyfriend was really different. He was very shy. He was introverted. He wasn't, you know, some gorgeous pinup Italian dude. He was a little older and more normal looking. And he was not flirty with other people, although he had a lot of female friendships. It, he became very trustworthy. And that's why we became a couple. But the social dynamics were really strange for me. And I think they were worse because my boyfriend was, and this is a funny story. The first two months we were together, I was wondering if he was mafioso or selling drugs or something. And I'll tell you why. He never had to work. He would wake up whenever the hell he felt like it. First thing he would do is go to the cafe and have some espresso and chat with friends that would meet at the cafe who also were not working a regular job. And then he'd go to the grocery store, pick up some fresh things, make himself lunch, and he he would always make it for both of us. And then he would watch TV or play his guitar. He was a jazz professional jazz musician. And he'd watch TV or play his guitar. And then he would go out for aperitivo, an afternoon wine, and socialize again. And then he would head off and play at the jazz club for two hours. And then he would go out after the jazz club. And we'd go for drinks and snacks and stay out till one, two in the morning. And then come back and repeat. And so I was like why does this guy always have money and he never has to work? (laughs) Like, this is really interesting. And his whole life is built around playing, literally playing, either playing music or having fun somewhere and drinking and socializing. And I'm like, I've never seen anything like it. Can I be you when I grow up? And I ended up finding out that he owned real estate. He was partners in three businesses where he was a silent partner and his other partner did all the work and he had rental property and he was part owner of the jazz club that he was playing at every night. So because of his personality, he had made financial arrangements where when he was a business partner, he never had to do the day-to-day work. Again, I was like, can I be you when I grow up? And so he had crafted his life in a way that he could have maximum freedom and no obligations, really. And he visited his mother once a week, every week, and really took care of her and was very, very social. So that was a really um, interesting experience for me because Italians are more open and 
kissy and friendly. You know, it's bachi, bachi, bachi everywhere you go. <laughs> chow, 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 chow all the time. And people are constantly getting groups and hugging and kissing and talking and drinking together. It's like that's life in Italy. I asked Angie to tell me her experience dating abroad in Vietnam. I don't have no trouble. I have no shortage of admirers. So (laughs) I'm sure, again, that has a lot to do with how I carry myself, though. It is different. It's it's interesting because I'm in a city where there are people from all over the world and they tend to lump Western countries together or English speaking countries together. But we are so different. People from the UK or from Ireland or Australia or South Africa, those are all considered English speaking countries, but our culture is so vastly different. Not to mention all of the European countries and the abundance of French people here. It's a very interesting mix to try to understand whether the differences that you feel with people are because of different life experiences or just because you're fundamentally different culturally. And a lot of it you can navigate and you learn how to, to figure it out. But there are some things that I just can't get over. And You know, that's up to each individual person. I do miss Black men sometimes. And there are Black men here, but a lot of them are Africans, Nigerian or Liberian. And they're just so vastly culturally different that, like, I cannot. I'm not having your babies. And I don't know why you're saying you love me right now after we've been talking for five minutes. Sir, please stop. So that's something that I just can't get with. I think if you are a Black female here, you have to be open to dating outside of your race. Even the few Black men that are here, they are usually trying to date mostly Vietnamese women here. You know, it's it's just a thing. Everybody wants to do that, which is, I don't tend to date Vietnamese people because of the the language and the culture barrier. It's just too much for me. I can't um, see myself being in a relationship with anyone that I can't have a conversation with. And so it's nothing, it's not anything against Vietnamese people specifically, anyone from any culture that I can't communicate very well and seamlessly with, I can't be in a relationship with. But you do have to be comfortable and open to, to dating people from all over the world. And, you know, that's part of the experience of being here. And as one thing about Saigon, though, is Saigon is not really a city for couples. I might know like two couples. Saigon is a singles place. So it it, it can be challenging to find someone that you settle down with here. That's really not a thing. People are not looking for that. It is. It had been in the past somewhat of a transient city. People would come here and they'd be here for six months to a year and then move on. And it's just, I think the expat population mostly is between the mid-20s to mid-early 30s. So there's that as well. But it's fun. I asked Wanda about her experience dating abroad. Men are gross everywhere. For me, it seems more like who are you willing to work it out with when it comes to a romantic partner? And that's that on that 
last period. Who are you willing to work it out with? There are going to be problems. You're not going to see eye to eye. But who are you willing to do the work with? Also, part of that equation is somebody that's willing to do the work with you. If you're working and the other person isn't working, that doesn't work. I don't know what kind of relationships other people have because a lot of times you don't get to see inside them. You don't see the petty fights. You don't see the serious fights. You don't see the harm that they cause one another. All you see is what they present, the photos, the videos, or even, you know, just seeing them out together. But you never really know the inside. And then all the things that you see about the inside of relationships, it has to be bull, right? <laughs> it has to be complete fakery. If First of all, if you're attracted to men, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about it. There's a lot of men out there who live in not doing their own work and they think they're a prize and those are the patriarchal waters a lot of women find themselves swimming in men who put themselves and their mothers who also put them there and so they expect you to put them there too on that pedestal it's really tricky it's really really tricky finding a man who is putting down his privilege Black men too don't think they're absolved. They are, they absolutely have privilege. So yeah, good luck. You're gonna need it. I asked Claire to describe what her experience of dating abroad has been like. So for me, like I'm definitely not the poster child of dating abroad. I have consistently dated in the last two years, but the people that I've dated has been Americans. So I usually date Americans who work remote like me meaning they can come to Mexico and we can travel together. So those are the people that I was dating. I'm just now since the pandemic now like dating more people that live here because no one can really travel here back and forth like that. There are people here that are moving here, but it's not like people can just pop over for the weekend like before and come and you can come to the States like that's gone. I asked Ayana about her experience dating in Japan. My very first three years, I did not date. I just had crushes on friends who were Japanese and it went nowhere. I didn't really start actually having like a boyfriend until end of 2016 or middle of 2016. And that lasted only five months. And I, I met him through a, an event when me and my friends went to like the southern part of Osaka for a reggae event. And that what ended up being like just a hookup. And then he just like, hey, let's date. I want you to be my girlfriend. It wasn't like, let's just get to know each other before we make it official. It was just like, all right, we hook up. Now you're my girlfriend. I was like, okay. And at the time, I was going through a rough, rough patch with work because I had changed my job to be a preschool teacher. And I was going through drama with the mothers and the staff. And the boss ended up saying I needed to leave. So I basically lost my job. And he came in like at the time where I was like, oh, I'm lonely and I've wanted a boyfriend for a while. And he asked me and he's cute. So why not? So I tried it. It only lasted five months because he just was more conservative than I thought. And then he thought I was more like wild, <laughs> which I don't think so. It's just that I, I was getting drunk a lot because he had events that I felt were kind of boring. So I would drink so I can start feeling more comfortable talking in Japanese with people. But then there are times where I just go to sleep or like fall asleep. I uh, one time fell asleep in front 
of two vending machines in an empty parking lot that was right next to the place that we were at. But like, because it's Japan, I was just like, I'm fine here. <laughs> he he like found me and did not like that. So he broke up with me a week after. <laughs> and then after that relationship, I went on one of the dating apps before Tinder, I believe it was called Badoo. And it wasn't even an app. I think it was just a website. And I found a Nigerian man that's like in a prefecture that's like an hour away from me. And we started like dating, but we didn't actually make anything official. And that was like just one year or so. But we're still friends, but it's just like, yeah, that didn't go anywhere. And I really liked him. So I was just like, ah, oh, it's so hard dating here and trying to find like just like minded people. So after the Japanese guy, I said no more to Japanese men because of the culture clash. And then I just found it really difficult still to find other foreigners to date. Uh, eventually did find somebody that's in my group called Black Rage Japan, who was just at first just wanted my help for his, his business that he was trying to start, a small thing with music. But yeah, that didn't go well either, even though that was a year because there was just a lot of there was a lot of clashing in that as well. And he was from the UK. So I was just like, I'm open to like dating all kinds of people, but I just didn't want to date any Japanese people after the first time. I think I've changed my mind a little bit now though. I asked Gwen what it has been like for her dating in Barcelona. Horrible. Just so you know, horrible. I find, I find men here are very rude and very uh, selfish. The atmosphere here for men is that they matter and women don't. So I have not been dating since I've been here. I've talked to uh, a couple of men that was through the internations, but I've never been on a date. No one's ever offered to buy me coffee or they don't do that here either or take me to a movie or anything. So basically, as an older black woman in Barcelona, I have not had the experience of dating and being with a man here at all. I had to ask Latrice, what was her experience dating abroad? And she really was not only so transparent, but gave some interesting advice. One of the reasons I was not happy in the United States was because I was not able to date the way that I would have liked to. And I hear that from so many black women in the United States. When you are abroad, I mean, men are men all over the world. So then it's more like, I'm not meeting the right guy. But when you talk to black women in the US, it's like, I'm not meeting a guy. It doesn't matter where, like how beautiful she is, how smart, how accomplished, like whatever attribute she brings into the room. She's like, generally speaking, African-American women have a really hard time finding a man. And for one, it's because so many black men are not eligible. A lot of guys are in, I mean, because of the way the U.S. is set up, dudes are in jail, guys have been killed. I mean, those are, there are a lot of social economic issues and, and racism, institutionalized race, racial things that, that significantly reduce the amount of eligible black men. And then the black women who are, a lot of them aren't willing to date outside of the race. And the ones that are, there are so many other men that don't even see you. And Americana, she talks about how, and, and, and even though it's a fictionalized story, how she's dating this, this wealthy white guy and his, I guess it was his brother, couldn't imagine that he would date her. Like, not that because she was black, but because she was a non-entity. And I think that a lot of non-black men in the United States see black women like that. Like, you're not even an option because you're not, 
you know, I don't look at a chair and think that that's a possible mate because it's a chair. It's a non-entity. And I think a lot of black women are seen as that. Not even if they're attracted to you, they don't see you as a potential mate. And so being in Europe, I mean, not even just in Europe, I think this is the experience once you leave the U.S., but especially in Europe, in Africa, most of the countries in Africa, even South America, Central America. But once you leave America, people are like, oh, wow, you're a beautiful woman. You're smart. You have a beautiful smile. You have a body that I'm attracted to. And you're a woman. (laughs) You're like this three dimensional woman that I want to spend more time with. I want to take you on a date. I want to know you. I enjoy your your company. And you just see. And that's, that's no other way to say it. You are absolutely seen. And so what I noticed once I got to Europe, like if I moved here, like my girlfriend, one of the main reasons I say I wish I'd come when I was younger is I would have, I'm still single, I'm in a relationship, but I'm not married. Um, and I don't have children. That I know I would be married with like four kids or something. It is so much easier to have that happen. Being here, I was dating so, I would meet so many guys so easily. And the caliber of men that I was dating, I dated wealthy artists, different kinds of artists, attorneys, doctors, like some of everything. And they're genuinely interested in you. Then it's just the regular relationship stuff. Can I find somebody I'm compatible with that's compatible with me? And I, that opportunity didn't exist for me in the United States. So I dated a lot of people and a lot of the stuff that, I mean, I think dating is a skill. And a lot of the stuff that I should have learned like a long time ago, I hadn't because I hadn't had the practice that I was able to get here. And when I met my current partner, it's funny because when I met him, I wasn't terribly like I was dating so many people and I wasn't he didn't knock me off my feet or anything. But his consistency and his heart and his integrity is just completely won me over. And I think one of the things that happens in the States is African-American women. We date from a place of desperation. And we just, we, we go with whoever, but here I had options. I could be with whoever. I didn't have to be with him. And it was me genuinely connecting with this person and wanting to spend time with him. And that was, it's been nothing but a good experience for me. And I'm in an amazing relationship with a spectacular man. I'm very deeply in love and I feel loved. And this is an experience that I've had in my adult life, not to this extent. So it's, definitely worked out well for me. I really like talking to Latrice about dating. Can I just say that? I really like talking to Latrice about it because I think her viewpoint and her perspective and her philosophy makes sense in a lot of different ways. Whether people like it or not, it may be provocative, who knows? So I asked Latrice to share some dating abroad advice that I thought was really interesting and insightful. And I've really thought about this and I, I, I think I have an answer, but nobody listens to me. <laughs> I think it depends on who you are. As um, speaking specifically to women, there are places in the world where it depends on what kind of woman you are. If you're an African-American woman and you have dark skin, Europe is really good because I mean, honestly, I think men here tend to, especially Italy, they're like, if I want a black woman, I want a black woman. And so they like dark skin. But then if you're a fair skinned black woman, then you might you probably do better in different countries in Africa or the UK because it's a lot of black men there and it's colorism. I mean, it is what it is. If you're a heavier black woman, Western Africa, South Africa, because this, they, they really want a woman with meat on her bones. So it, it depends on who you are. So, I mean, and I, and I have a friend that says this, you want to put yourself in a situation to be successful. 
to have as many options as possible. Like, don't go to Asia. Don't go to China if you're looking for a, a man. Like, I the, the the white gay couple that I that I know that was here, they lived in China for like 13 years. And they were saying almost every couple that they met, like after they got there, their husbands left for women, the, the straight couples, the husbands left for Asian girls, for Chinese girls. And um, he was like, don't bring your husband to China. Well, if you're a woman, don't go to China. Like the Chinese woman got that. So it just, I mean, and anything's possible. And you, you meet people who anecdotally met their partner in other places. But it definitely, if you're trying to have as many options as possible, you should kind of understand who you are and what you want. So in, in places in the Middle East that I hear from women is the religion. It's so a part of is, Islam and the culture is such a part of the 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 lifestyle that men aren't going to marry somebody who's not from there. Like they'll have sex with you and they'll take you out, but they're not going to like marry you. <clears throat> but here, I mean, almost every woman that I know that wants to get in a relationship is in one. Like if she's not, honestly, what I've discovered, <laughs> what I've discovered too is when it's been a certain amount of time and if someone wants to be partnered and, and a black woman wants to be partnered in Europe and she's not, then it's kind of like at some point, then it's, it's probably some eternal work that needs to happen because it's not that you're not meeting men here. There's so many men that will be interested in you. Then it's like, okay, maybe they're like, do I have issues with commitment? Do I have issues with whatever? But Europe is just easy. But again, like, but it's tends to be harder here if you're not slim because it's just what it is. But like, if you're heavier in, in West Africa, South Africa, I mean, a light skinned, heavy set black woman in South Africa will be married like at the airport if she wants. It just depends on who you are and what you're looking for. Oh, Central um, America, too, I think is good, too, for black women. So according to Latrice, Europe is a good place to date. And so I asked her, why does she think Europe is such a great place for dating? Well, you have options there. That's the thing that I think is is very different from like, I, and I, I always say this, I don't know why black women keep going to Atlanta. Stop. <laughs> stop going to Atlanta. DC on that list for me too. Just stop it. Like, there are too many women there. It's too much competition and you got to work. Like, you you have to work too hard to keep a man's attention and men are going to be men because they have so many options. So, like, if he want to act a fool, he can act a fool. And if he want to act a fool and have a woman take him back every day, he can. And so, it's just, it's too many options for them. But in, in, Europe, I think it's the opposite. Like if you decided right now, you're like, I want to go out tomorrow <laughs> in the middle of COVID and you went on Tinder and was like, I want to like, who wants to take me to dinner? It'd be like a million dudes be like, please let me take you to dinner. So you have that option. And I think that's the difference. A black woman sitting in Atlanta, a gorgeous black woman with a PhD and an MD and a JD, they have a million IT certs. And she's like, I want to go out to dinner. Who wants to take me out to dinner? And dudes would be like, what, does that mean I have to pay? And like, where your money at? It's like this completely different thing. Like, well, you know, I just sit at home and watch Netflix. No, thank you. And it's just, Europe is just easier. And that's part of it's cultural too, I think. Regardless, even in France, I know people are a lot less likely to get married. In Italy, people don't get married as much as they used to as well because it was historically super hard to get divorced. But people still expect to be in relationships. Now, marriage is, is something else, but people don't tend to stay single. But in the States, I think people, especially in the Black community, men have like the whole hip hop culture is presented having a relationship and being in love as a weakness. And so a lot of men kind of stray from that. And in most other countries in the world, men are men are taught 
to want to partner. Now, whether they get married or not, that's different, but they aren't taught to run from being in a relationship. Thank you to all of my incredible guests that were transparent enough and willing enough to share their dating experience with me, as well as really share their their life and their story with me in season one. I really, really appreciate it. I'd love to hear all of your thoughts about dating abroad what your reactions are to this episode or to particular guests, your experiences about dating abroad. If you want to hear more about dating abroad or less about dating abroad, I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to hear your opinion. You can always slide into my DMs on Instagram or right underneath a post, I suppose. You can always respond to an email that I sent out. You could fill a contact form on the website, flourishfromforeign.com slash contact. Let me know what y'all think about this dating abroad, because I have my thoughts, but I want your thoughts. That's the whole point. If you'd like to connect with some of the women you've heard today, you can definitely check out the show notes page of this here episode at flourishfromforeign.com slash episodes slash dating dash abroad. Dash two. All right. As I am winding down season one, I am also just winding down in general. And as I've told you guys before, I am discontinuing my one-on-one moving abroad with intention chats. And so if you're interested in chatting with me one-on-one, please do make it a point to book in some time soon because my books are getting quite full. So we've been on the fence about it. Come on off the fence and go ahead and book in because I will not be offering this service in 2022. If you know of someone, or maybe perhaps it's you yourself, who would be an excellent guest on Flourish in the Foreign, I want to highly encourage you to go ahead and fill out the guest inquiry form that is on the website, flourishintheforeign.com slash contact. Be sure to fill out the guest inquiry form. Let me know all about you. Tell me why you want to be on the podcast. Be sure you've listened to the podcast because one way to not get on a podcast is to (laughs) openly admit that you haven't listened to it. So be sure that you've listened to the podcast. Clearly, if you are hearing my voice, you listen to the podcast, but make sure whoever you recommend says listen to the podcast. And I want to mention that I'm putting out a call for guest bloggers for the Flourish in the Foreign website. Yes, I am looking for some guest bloggers to really share their experiences living and thriving abroad, their wellness journeys abroad, and more. You can find out more information on how you can become a guest blogger for the website. And the link is in the description of this episode. And as always, thank you so much to Zachary Higgs for producing the music of this podcast. If you're in need of music for your next creative endeavor, he is definitely your guy. You can find out all of his information in the show notes of this episode. And please remember that it is not about getting abroad. It's definitely not about being abroad. It's about thriving abroad. So go abroad and cultivate a life well lived. See you next time.
Bye. On the next episode of Flourish in the Foreign. You need a plan. How are you going to manage your investments? How are you going to manage contributing to your retirement? How are you going to manage taxation in a foreign country? How are you going to manage your U.S. credit? How are you going to manage identity theft? And people don't think about these things at all.